You're listening to the podcast of Village Church in Burbank, California. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good evening. It's uh, good to be back after uh, three months on the road, 10,000 miles on the truck. Exciting. But one of the good things was $2.50 gas over most of America. What a shock when we got back here to California. Wow. Have you guys been paying like $5 all summer long? Almost six? Wow. Amazing. There's some things I noticed uh, during the two months that we were in um, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I went to a reunion with a lot of my classmates um, from our graduating class and in conversation with them, uh, just the things that they talked about, there was a great deal of concern and worry and almost fear. Now we're all getting older and so there was all the health issues and we all shared our medications and all the stuff that <coughs> you normally talk about, but there was just a, a concern, you know, the world condition. Uh, we were there when um, uh, this uh, horrible event happened in Israel and um, uh, you know, just the, just the security issues that uh, people feel all the time. I mean, there was uh, such, a, such a sense about that, uncertainty about the, the, the future, and certainly about politics. You know, the, everybody talks about politics, and next year's elections are certainly going to be something to uh, be, uh, behold. Inflation, wars, the economy, health, of course, our borders, travel, and on and on. Concern, worry, almost a, a sense of anxiety over some of uh, the members of my class. And, and, and I, I noticed also a few things uh, when we went to church. Uh, we went to a, little, to a Methodist church in uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, it was close to where we were staying. And as we went, Pennsylvania has an open carry law. You know what that is? Uh, you can carry a weapon uh, openly. Uh, Fifteen guys are in church with a weapon on their, on their hip. I don't know how many were concealed in ladies' purses and things, but 15 weapons, I mean, I felt safe. Yeah, I mean, I didn't act up a whole lot either, you know, I was just kind of, kind of um, uh, good. You know, I, I don't know if that's because of a sense of worry or if it's just, that's just cultural, but it, it seems to me that uh, we live in very uncertain times. Don't you sense that? Uh, and for believers as well, there's that question that comes, you know, it's, it's just hard to keep believing that God has all of this stuff under control, that he's in charge of all of this and he's got a good plan and oh, when things keep happening, when stuff keeps stressing us out and all of those kinds of things, you know, uh, can we trust in him becomes a question that I, I, I'm hearing a, a, a lot uh, in fact, the, the, the minister in the church that uh, we were attending was talking about these events that are taking place all around. And he says, and you know, it really challenges my faith. I'm going, wow, I, I think we all struggle with those issues. Today, I want us to look at the psalm that we just saw on the uh, screen, Psalm 120. 
21 in a message that's entitled help that keeps watch uh, I'd like to read with you these uh, verses from 121 I think they're on the board on the screen uh, just follow along as I read this psalm I lift up my eyes to the hills from where will my help come my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth he will not let your foot be moved he who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. Psalm 121 is a psalm for the journey. It's one of the psalms of ascent. From 120 to 134 are 15 psalms, and they're all put together, uh, and they're called the psalms of ascent traditionally. And these were psalms that uh, the, the, the Israelites would use as they were on their way to Jerusalem to, to worship. Uh, three times a year, the Jewish people were required to go to um, Jerusalem every couple years in order to uh, worship at the, uh, at the temple. And before the temple, they went to the high places, Shiloh or Shechem, uh, in the northern part of Israel. And as they were going, these are the psalms that they read. These are the psalms that they meditated on. These were the songs that they were singing. And all 15 of these psalms are songs that it turn the people's thoughts and focus on God. So as they were going, they were not thinking about the things that were going on around them. They were focusing their attention on the Lord. And they were preparing themselves for worship. In fact, they were worshiping as they were on the way to worship. In fact, these psalms, and particularly Psalm 121, uh, is used by Jewish families to this day before they begin a journey. They would pray together Psalm 21. Religious Jews pray this prayer every single day because they believe that every day is a journey. And you're journeying on towards becoming the person that God has called you to be. Now, this psalm begins, very interestingly, with a question. Uh, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills, and then here comes the question. From where does, from where will my help come? You know, as we live in uncertain days, as things keep happening all around us, around us and to us, the question is, where am I going to find help, right? Now, this word that's used is a very particular kind of help. It's not the kind of help that the Beatles sang about. Remember that? I can get by with just a little help from my friends. It's not the kind of help that that lady who fell down and pushed the button and said, help, I've fallen and I can't get it. It's not that kind of help. This is a, a very particular Hebrew word. And its uh, derivation comes from the, the same word that shalom comes from. The Jewish idea of shalom, peace. It's the idea that may everything good that God has intended for you, may you experience it to the full. That's the idea of shalom wholeness, completeness, a sense of joy, purpose, and meaning in every moment of my life. It's the idea that Jesus used 
when he said in Aramaic, he said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly. It's the same idea, <clears throat> that, that idea of, of wholeness, that idea of completeness. The, the word itself, where will I find this kind of wholeness and completeness? The psalm says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. And the question is, is, is that where I'm going to find my help? Now, if you remember the background uh, of the ancient Israel as they were moving to their holy places, uh, the, the pagans in whose lands they were living, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and all the rest of thoseites, uh, all of those people, they worshipped false gods. And their shrines and tabernacles and holy places were up on the hills. And they would invite people to come and worship here because we can solve your problems. We can give you the kind of help that you need. If you're afraid in the night, we have moon gods that can give you what you need. If you're afraid of the daytime, we have sun gods that can give you what you need. This is where the Ashtaroth pole, the Baal statues were up on the hillsides. Is that where I'm going to find my help? You remember in the Old Testament, God was continually uh, criticizing and, and scolding his people for idolatry. They were constantly going off after these other gods. And so the question is a good one. Are you going to keep pursuing the stuff up here in the hills to find the help that really will make your life whole and can bring together all the points in your life that you feel concern and worry and have fear about? It, 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 will it be the, from the hills that you find that kind of help? And the answer comes in the next verse, which is the confession. The confession that we make. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. That's the answer to the question, where will my help come from? Where will my help come? Very interesting that even the writers of the New Testament did not use a preposition to end a sentence with. Did you get that, Wanda? Okay. See, my help comes from the Lord. And that's another very interesting word, the one that's used for God here, the one for the Lord. It's the word Yahweh, Jehovah. It's the word that speaks of the God of covenant. It's the, the God who entered into covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the patriarchs, and, and then with Moses and Joshua, and, and the judges, and all of the people, uh, in the people in the lands, they have said, we will be your people. God says, I will be your God, and the people said, we will be your people. They entered into covenant at Mount Sinai and at other places with God. This is the God of the covenant, the God who has been with them all along, the God who established them through Abraham. He says, I will be your help. That's what this psalm is all about. It's that God who will be their help. And then it follows, when you enter into covenant with this God, here's some promises that he makes towards us. Listen to them, verses uh, three and following. He says, he will not let your foot be moved. You know, when you're journeying, especially in the ancient world, as that picture in the, uh, during the offertory, as it was uh, shown, the guy was walking on a path and the end of it fell straight off, right? You've got to get your foot on solid ground. That's what this is saying. God promises 
that we will be on solid ground. Isn't that what we sing? On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. You see, that's what the psalmist is saying. He will keep, keep your foot on solid ground. What a, what a, what a great idea. Psalm 37, uh, David says, um, uh, says this, which is such a, a powerful uh, picture. Our steps are made firm by the Lord when he delights in our way. Though we stumble, we shall not fall headlong, for the Lord holds us by the hand. That's the promise. That's the promise. When you enter into covenant with this God, he promises to always be with you, to watch over you, to protect you. In the next verses, you'll see a word. You probably have already noticed it as I read this uh, uh, psalm. Six different times this word occurs. It's the word keep. God will keep you. Keep, keep. He keeps. He keeps you. Now, in our culture, being kept is not a positive idea, is it? I mean, who wants to be kept? The kept woman. That's not a, uh, that's not a positive uh, idea. Um, you know, we keep our pets. Pets are kept. But people, you don't keep. But in the ancient world, the, the idea of keeping is the idea of watching. In the King James, in fact, it's translated, he watches over you. He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He's watching. He keeps you. He keeps you, he, he guides you, he protects you, he leads you, all of those kinds of things. He keeps your foot from slip, slipping. And then the next one says, uh, says this. He says, he who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. In other words, he's always available to you. There's never a circumstance. There's never a condition. There's never a crisis. There's never a spike in oil prices that, that's going to keep God from being what you need in that situation. He's always there. He's always available. He doesn't slumber or sleep. That recalls the idea of Elijah. You remember that story on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal? Uh, the, the contest between Elijah and those prophets was which one of their gods, the gods of Baal or Jehovah God, would call down fire from heaven and consume the sacrifice that was on the altar? And the prophets of Baal went first. And they called on their God. They prayed. They went through all of their rituals, etc., and nothing happened. They shouted louder. They danced. They jumped. They cut themselves. You know, they wrung chickens around and threw, you know, they did all kinds of things to try to get their God to pay attention. And you remember what Elijah said? Maybe he's taking a nap. <laughs> Maybe this is his afternoon nap time and he won't be available to 5.30. You want to wait till then? <clears throat> Our God doesn't take a nap. Our God never slumbers. He's never somewhere where you cannot get in touch with him. He's always there. That's what he promises. He never slumbers or sleeps. Look at the next one. He says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade at your right hand. He's close beside you. Close beside you. Psalm 16, 8 puts it this way. It says this. 
I keep the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Nothing shall frighten me. Nothing shall scare me off because God is with me. You know, we're entering into the Christmas season, the Advent season, and the primary message of Christmas is God is with us. Emmanuel, that's the, that's the idea, he's with us. He's here to demonstrate that he's for us. He's here to, to enable us by living within us. And he wants to empower us so he can live through us. I mean, God is here. He's with us. He helps us at all time. Jesus put it this way, he's closer than a brother. That's the picture. The next one says this, the next promise. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Day or night, God is with you. There's never going to be a time in the daytime or in the nighttime when whatever it is that's happening that creates concern or fear that he's not going to be able to save us from. In fact, it reminds you of the words of uh, the, the psalmist in Psalm 91 who says this, you who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, <coughs> will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness or the destruction that wastes at noonday because you have made the Lord your refuge, the most high your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you. No scourge will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone wow what a promise i mean you want to talk about things that we're afraid of out there listen to what god promises to be for us right here within us powerful powerful words now notice in the next, to the last two verses, the tense changes from present tense to future present. And he says this, the Lord will keep you from all evil. In other words, evil is not going to attack you. There's no way that Satan is going to be able to get in and mess up with your life and defeat you. It, it, it can't happen. Uh, the evil cannot impact your life. In fact, we pray that in the Lord's Prayer, don't we? Deliver us from evil. In fact, we speak the name of Jesus over evil, over circumstances, because that's what protects us and keeps us from it. The Apostle Paul was concerned about that in, in Romans chapter 8, in that great passage, where he says this, We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Listen, hard things, challenges, crises, Bad things, all of those things can happen to all of us at any time. But God is working in those things all the time to accomplish what's good for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. 
Paul goes on and says this, what are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, what a great passage. He says, no. He says, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, Paul says, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, that means evil powers, or height, or depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are secure in God's care, in his watch care over us. What an incredible idea. And listen to what it says. It says, he will keep your going out and your coming in. That's every transition of life. Childhood, adolescence, young adulthood, middle-aged, older middle-aged. <laughs> and then those people who are really old, Ed. Uh, you know, the, the, any transition, single, married, with kids, without kids, with a job, without a job, every transition of life, he will keep us. That's the idea, you're going out and you're coming in. And then listen to this, from this time and as long as you live forever. There'll never be a moment in your life that's outside of the watch care of God. What a promise. I mean, that's where we live. Fear has no place in that kind of relationship. Jesus put it this way, Jesus reminded us, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, this is an incredible psalm. I'd encourage you to memorize this psalm. I'd encourage you to say this psalm, pray this psalm frequently. It's so powerful. But I can't leave it tonight without just a couple thoughts that I think we need to think about. You know, there's one of the things that keeps us from experiencing this kind of watch care of God is all the stuff we find on the hills around us. You know, there's, there's, there's lots of stuff on the hills all around us. And whatever it is that causes us an, an uncertainty or fear or worry or stress, there is a false help that promises relief. There's going to be some, some voice that could just turn on your phone, on the internet. And what, I mean, whatever you were just talking about, the next, the next ad that comes up, boom, there it is. It's going to address it right there. How many times have we seen that, Cheryl? I mean, that's, somebody's listening. I don't know who it is. I thought it was Ryan for a while, but it's... <laughs> Listen, there's always something that promises to be what you need. And if you pursue it, you discover what false help is all about. It doesn't last. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't continue on. Maybe a short time, but not very long. Most of us have bought products on the internet that have promised that they're going to take care of this problem or this problem or this problem, and we only buy them once because they don't work. False help. Listen, there's a ton of false help all around us. There's so much noise coming from the hills that, that promises relief. Know the difference between false help and the true help that comes from the Lord. Know the difference. That's the first thought. Here's the second one. You know, we are powerless to produce our own wholeness. You know, we, we, we think that we can get it together. We think that we can find a job, a career, a friend, a, a hobby, a something that if we pursue it enough, our lives will be happy, we'll be together. 
know, there's nothing that can produce love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, meekness, self-control, more than the presence of God in a person's life. That's the only thing. You can't get it together on your own. You're powerless to, to find that which will fill your life. You can't protect yourself. You, you can't develop the guidance that you need to take you into the places that benefit you. Your, your security, and, and on and on and on, and, and we don't like that. We like the odd, uh, idea of autonomy. We like the idea of independence. I don't need you. Maybe a little help from my friends once in a while, but not very often, because I can do it all. We like that idea, self-sufficiency. But the truth is, we're powerless. We're proud. You need to think about that. Because if you're relying on anything other than the presence of God in your life to produce what you need to fill your life up, you're going to be disappointed again and again and again. Because the life of faith, and here's the message that we believers need to hear again tonight. The life of faith is a life of dependency. It's a life of surrender. It's a life of obedience and one of following God's way. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. I mean, we're actually following. We're not initiating the direction. We're following. We're depending. We're surrendering. We're, so we're obeying. See, the power that we surrender to is the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's who we surrender to. We surrender to, 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 to the reality of the person of God as he reveals himself in his son. And his, we see his love for us as he pays the penalty on the cross for our sin. And as we embrace him, his presence of the Holy Spirit comes into us and fills us with that sense of desire to live our lives more and more in a way that's pleasing to him. Listen, none of the Christian life is about learning how to do things. The Christian life is putting ourselves in relationship with God where he is putting in our hearts the desires he wants us to have. And so we do things because we want to. I assume you're here tonight because you want to, not because you should. If you're here tonight because you should, you've missed the blessing. See, it, it's, it, it's always that way. And this is the story of the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. It's not just this passage or some other passage. It's, the, it's the, the story of the Bible. That as we surrender and follow, we discover all of God's promises are true now and always. The more we follow, the fuller our lives become. You can't get full before you surrender. You surrender and then you get full. That's why, as we talked about a couple years ago when we were, Ryan was helping us to look through the book of Colossians, that, that great passage in the third chapter that says, so set your minds on things above where Christ is. Set your minds, intentional act. It's not just something that you just set your mind on things of the Lord. That's what worship is all. Worship is when we're setting our minds on the things of the Lord of the Lord. Set your mind on those things above, not on the earth. That's the hills. The earth is the hills, thinking that we're going to find our hope there. 
Worship, discipleship, devotion are what God, is what draws us closer to the Lord every single day. And so, tonight we end with a confession that this psalm begins with. In the face of fear, doubt, insecurity, and uncertainty, we say, and I want you to say it with me, which is verse uh, 2. It says, starts with uh, the Lord, okay? Excuse me, it starts with my help. Let's say it together. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen? Amen. You know, we come to the table of the Lord at the close of the services here at uh, Village uh, because we need to remember uh, every single week the sense of not only his presence in our lives, but the relationship that we have with him through faith in his finished work. You know, that passage in Romans 8 has this great line that says, if he did not withhold his only son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also with him give us everything else that we need? And the answer is, yes, he will. And so we depend on him tonight the same way we do every single day for all of our direction and guidance and help and hope and security. Oh, God uses a lot of other resources along with, but the source of that help is always the Lord. And so as you come tonight and receive the elements of uh, the bread and the wine, re recognize that it's the presence of God in your life that we're remembering and we're depending upon day by day by day. Thank you for listening to today's message. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org.